Oh, glory to God. Well, Deuteronomy chapter number 30, we're coming back into this passage talking about this valley of decision as we've labeled it. And like I said, the valley of decision is great. It's a great opportunity for you to choose God. Uh, but God always gives us that opportunity. Uh, one of the things that we love about the Lord is that he invites us to come out. He invites us. He calls us. He beckons us. And he gives us free will. God's not going to force you to get saved. He's not going to force you to get filled with the Holy Ghost. He's not going to force you to walk in holiness. He's not going to force you to live in peace. He's not going to force himself on you, but he invites you. He invites you to come, surrender, that you may find him. He invites you. It is his love, it is his mercy, and it is your free will that God gives you that ability to choose him. And one of the things that we see here is that Moses had lined up the nation of Israel. He had put... He put some of them over on Mount Gerizim for the blessing and some on Mount Ebal for the curses and he put them in the middle of those two mountains. And I don't know about you, but I'm not a rocket scientist, but I know in between two mountains is a valley. And they were stuck there in that valley and in that valley they had to choose which mountain they wanted to worship on. They had to choose whether they would go after God or whether they would be like the world. And in the same way, we have the same decisions our own selves. God puts us between the cross and the world. And there is no convergence of those two. You have to understand that the, the cross is always going to be opposed to the world. And the world is always going to be opposed to the cross. And it's sad to say, but a lot of times, even in the church world, we don't talk about the cross or preach the cross or talk about the cost of following at the cross, but it is through the cross alone that we'll find God. Amen? God is not found in, in chocolate bunnies and in flowers and cards and candy, but he's found at the cross. There's only one way. Jesus said he's the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me, and it's a lonely road. You're going to have to follow him down that Via Della Rosa, that, that road of suffering, and you're going to have to let go of self and let go of pride and let go of the world and follow him to Mount Calvary. Well, in this passage, we'll just pick this up in 19 and 20. He says, I call, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death. Do you realize that God has set before you life and death? As you hear the message of the cross, God is setting before you life, and he's setting before you death. God gives you that ability to choose God's not going to force you to live. God's not going to force you to live eternally. God's not going to make you. He's not going to put your hand behind your back and twist it until you cry, Uncle. God's going to compel you through the convicting work of the Holy Ghost. And that's God's desire is that we all receive that conviction and follow God to Calvary. But he said he set before you, he said, I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. 
Therefore, choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. Now, I'm going to stop right there uh, just for right now, but I will just put this before you, is that there's two paths whenever it comes to God. God put them between two mountains so that we'll understand. If, you, 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 if you'll think about it, picture it in your mind, there's a mountain on one side and a mountain on the other. If you stay in that valley when it rains, you're going to drown. So you can be in the valley of decision, but you can't hang out there too long. You're going to have to choose which mountain you will rest on, which mountain you will live on. You 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 have a short amount of time, but but there will come a time in an hour when that gully washer will come through that valley, and you'll have to at that point get up on one of those two mountains. You can't put one foot on Mount Ebal and one foot on Mount Gerizim. You can't live half in God's life and half in death. You can't live half blessed and half cursed. If God's blessed it, the devil can't curse it. But if you go after the devil and you go after the world, then you cannot expect God's blessing on your life. It's sad to say, but a lot of people believe that. A lot of people want that. They want just enough God and just enough world. They want enough God to soothe their conscience and enough world to soothe their flesh. But that's where you have to understand there's two opposing mountains and God's calling you to come to one or the other. Now, God gave them that choice. If they wanted to be cursed, they could go to Mount Ebal and they could go and serve their flesh. They could go worship foreign idols and they would die and go go to hell. But God does not desire that we die and go to hell. God calls us to come out from among them, to be separate unto God, and to find life on Mount Gerizim. God's calling you to live this blessed life. Well, the part I want to get into tonight is that as you go up this mountain of blessing, there's a special or unique walk that God has for you. You see, as you go up the Mount of Blessing, you'll begin to live a little bit different. The air is different up there. How many of you have ever been hiking up on a mountain? The air is different up there than it is down below. Amen? It, it feels crisp. There's a freshness in the air. You see the water come out of the mountain. It's cool. It's clean. It's crisp. It's clear. And, and, and there's, a, there's just a touch of heaven on that place. Well, as you come up this mountain of blessing, there's a touch, there's a, there's a unique quality that God has for the people that seek after him. Amen? Well, let me show you what I, what I want, where I want to get to. If you, if you'll go, just turn with me to 1 Peter chapter number 2. I want to show you what I'm talking about. In 1 Peter chapter number 2, there's a unique walk that we have. Now, if you go up the Mount of Blessing, as you go up Mount Gerizim, it's, well, let me say it like this. As you follow Jesus, you're not going to be able to live like the heathen and go to the cross. Once you go to the cross, you're going to let go of the heathen in you. Because to go to the cross, you got to come in the, the Via Della Rosa. The, the suffering is letting go of self. You, 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 you cannot go to the cross and hold on to self, and receive Jesus. When you go to the cross, you let go of self, and you become who God wants you to be. Well, as you go up and as you follow God on this mount of blessing, as as you go up Mount Gerizim, there is a unique walk that that you will begin to follow. It's what I call, you know, you, you, you become salty. The world may look at you weird. 
They may think you're strange. In in other words, you may not be popular with the world. In fact, if you're popular with the world, you may not be popular in heaven. That's a fact, Jack. God God calls us to, to come out and to bear the reproach of Christ. And if we're willing to bear the reproach of Christ, God will be willing to receive us. If you're not willing to bear the reproach of Christ, God may not be willing to receive you. You have to be willing to follow him in those steps. As, as he went down that road to Calvary, they, they, they laughed at him, they mocked him, they spit on him, they plucked out his beard, they beat him, they whipped him, they gnashed their teeth at him, and they ridiculed him all the way up to the time that he gave up the ghost when he said it's finished. And if we think that the world's going to just pamper us and applaud us and bring us potpourri, we are mistaken because that's not God's way up Mount Gerizim. Now, God will be with you, and if God be for you, no one can be against you. If God be for you, no demon in hell can come against you. Like I said, if God blesses you, no, no demon can curse you. If you're blessed, you're blessed. Amen? If God's in it, God's in it. And, and there's nothing any demon or devil can do about it. God is greater if God tells that, you know, if God tells the ocean to part, it's going to part. If God calls the devil and he makes him bark like a dog, he'll make him bark like a dog. God can do anything he wants to do. And if God's in you, you've got the upper hand on whatever's coming against you. Because greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world. Now, here's the part I want you to see, though. As you go up that Mount Gerizim, the more you walk and the more you come after God, the more you're going to be walking different than the world. See, as you go up, as God has you in that valley of decision and God, and, and, and there's times, there's different times and different seasons in our life that we find ourselves right back in that valley. There's, there's times that, you know, we'll be following after God and we say, you know, wow, I'm right back here in this valley. God, there's another opportunity. The devil will come knocking and he'll try us and there's an opportunity to go back. And if you don't think that's biblical, you need to go and read John chapter 6. In John chapter 6 and verse 66, it's really easy to remember, 666, not a good verse, right? In John 666, many of Jesus' disciples go back. They, they, they were following God, and then all of a sudden they found themselves in the valley of decision. And they looked up at Jesus, and they looked back at the world, and they did not consider him precious enough to follow so they went back. And you need to know that there's times in your walk with God that you're going to come up into those valleys. That there's going to be a valley of decision that you're going to have to see. That you need to be able to recognize you're in a valley and you're going to have to make a decision. That way the gully washer don't take you out. You don't get stuck in indecision. But when you're in that valley of decision, I don't know about you, but the best advice I've ever gotten, ever received, or ever given is choose Jesus. I don't know what the battle is, but choose Jesus in the battle. But, but, but see, they came up, they came up into that place where there was a cost associated with following Jesus. And in John chapter six, they determined, many of them determined, the greater majority of them determined that it would be far greater to go back into the world than to continue following Jesus after they had already followed him. That's sad. That's sad. 
And, and Jesus turned and looked at Peter and said, are you going to go too? I mean, they were all deserved. Now, one thing I would point out, just as a little sidebar, Jesus didn't go beg them. You, you let a big giver walk out of a church and you'll see a pastor get down on their knees and not pray, but beg. Come on, brother, what do I got to do? I've seen it happen. Because we don't want them to leave us. What do I got to do to make you stay? How You want the temperature to go up two degrees? You want us to paint the walls pink? Okay, we got you. And, 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 but Jesus, when all his disciples walked away, he just let them go. He didn't say a word to them. He turned to Peter and he said, you're going to go too. In other words, he, they, they, they went in that valid decision. They chose wrong. But he turned to Peter, and he put Peter right there in that same valley. He said, okay, how about you? Which way are you going to go? And Peter chose Jesus. Peter chose Jesus. Well, the part that I want you to see is that in order for you to, in order for you to, 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 to recognize that, you're going to have to esteem Jesus as precious. This comes by a work of the Spirit. You're going to have to stay prayed up. You're going to have to stay in the Word of God. If you begin to wane in your prayer and wane in the Word of God, then you'll begin to, you'll begin to get so inundated with the world. The world is, 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 is after you. The world is after your affections. And if you're not staying prayed up and in the Word of God, then what you'll find is the Word of God will become what? It'll come, it'll come dry. It'll become dry. It'll become, it'll become like nothing. It'll become white noise to you. As, 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 you, as you neglect the study of the Word of God and neglect the prayer closet and, and neglect sharing your faith with others. I remember one time somebody came to me and they said, Pastor, I'm dry. I'm just dry. I, I just feel like, you know, I'm going through the motions. I don't have any feeling anymore. You know, when you sing songs, I'm just going through the motions. I don't feel it anymore. And I remember telling them, I said, when was the last time you shared your faith with somebody? When was the last time you told somebody about Jesus and you shared the actual gospel? Not that you spoke the word gospel, but you actually shared the gospel. Because I know a lot of, a lot of people, they, they get slick on that. But you got to actually share the gospel. You got to tell them, hey, look, you, you were stuck in your sins, but God had mercy on you and he made a way when there was no way because he came here, he put on flesh and he went to the cross to bear your sin, your reproach, your shame and he died on that cross for your sin and he went down and he rose from the dead on the third day. And if you believe and confess that, you'll be saved, right? So what, what about it? Well, that guy said, no, I haven't. I haven't shared my faith in a while. You're right. You're right, Pastor. It's been a while since I shared my faith. They went and they began sharing their faith at work. They went and began sharing their faith in evangelistic efforts. And you know what? Joy. Joy broke out of that dry ground. Just like a, just like that first plant coming out in the springtime. That joy just began to burst forth. You know what? There is no amount of, of propping somebody up that can come close to true joy bursting forth. You know, I, you, you can take somebody and we can make a cheerleader section for you and we can pump you up and we can tell you you're all that in a bag of chips and write you cards and, you know, text message you and, 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 you know, decorate your car and all kinds of stuff. But if you don't have joy in your soul, you don't have joy in your soul.
It's not an external influence. It's an internal witness of the Holy Spirit. That internal witness of the Holy Spirit cannot be duplicated, cannot be imitated. It is something that only God gives, and he gives it to those that come after him and follow him, whatever the cost. And if you'll go out and bear the reproach of Christ and share the gospel with others, and God will be faithful, and he will give you more than you can handle, the joy of the Holy Spirit will begin to grow up in you a well of life and God will give you that joy that passes all understanding God will bear you up and he will lift you up and he will bring you joy in the midnight hour but that joy like I said it's not external it's internal it comes by the witness of the Holy Ghost and as you follow after God he'll meet you in that place and he'll pour out his spirit upon you well when you come into a valley of decision, there's, like I said, those two paths to go. Look what he says here in First Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse number 7. Unto you, therefore, which believe, he, speaking of Jesus, is precious. That's the part. This is part of it I want you got to get. And, 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 and this is something that is unmistakable. When, when somebody is filled with the Spirit of God, it's because Jesus is precious to them. When somebody's walking in the power of God, it's because Jesus is precious to them. Nobody else can make Jesus precious for you. I, I, I can't make Jesus precious for my kids. They have to look upon him in love. They have to. And, 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 and it's that way. Now here I want you to see that... that Unto you, therefore, which believe he's precious, but unto them which be disobedient, that's the people that follow the cursing, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same as made the head of the corner. A stone of stumbling, a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. Well, see, God, what that simply means is that those that follow the curses, that they will stumble over Jesus. That's just, if you, if you go after the world, God will cause you to fall on your face time after time after time after time. As you go after the world, as you reject Christ, you will stumble over him. That's the appointment God has for those that reject Christ. But it's different for us. Verse 9, this is what I want to get into. But you are a chosen generation. Now, did you choose Yes, you did. You chose Jesus. And when you chose him, he chose you. I'm going to show you that and point that out in just a little bit. But God's seal of approval is upon those that choose him. God's blessing is upon those that choose him. He told the nation of Israel, I said before you, life and death, blessing and curses. Right? And so if you choose God, he'll choose you. He'll pour out his blessing on you. He said, you're a chosen generation. Look at this. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Can I tell you, God called you to be peculiar, not popular. Peculiar, not popular. The, 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 the thing that we need to see is that God has called you to stand out, not fit in with the world. 
God has never called you to fit in and to look like them, sound like them, act like them, to follow them, to fear what they fear, love what they love, do what they do, go where they go. God never called the church to do that. God always called his people to come out from among them and be separate. And he tells you that if you'll come out from among them, he will receive you. He will receive you. He loves to receive those that are willing to come out from among them. But he's telling us here that it is a peculiar people. If As you walk up that Mount Gerizim, as you walk up that Mount of Blessing, it's a peculiar walk that you walk. In other words, God calls you to, to, to stand out, not fit in. Peculiar means that there's a... there. The, and what this phrase actually means is that you become an imitator of God. That's what it actually means. If a, a peculiar, they, they say when, a, when somebody writes stories that they have a peculiar way of writing. Each author has, you, you can tell, this author wrote that book. I can tell because they have a unique quality about how they write. Well, what that means is that, that that's peculiar to them. And when God calls you to be peculiar, what he's telling you to be is he's telling you to let him be the author of your life. That way you begin to love what he loves, and you hate what he hates. You go where he leads. You turn away from where he's not. You follow him in the light, and you shun the darkness. He says that you come out of the darkness and into his marvelous light, giving testimony that God called you out of those dark things, and he called you into the things of light. He called you to come up and not down. God here is telling you that if you're going to follow him, you're going to have to become a peculiar people. And what that means is that there's going to be times in your life that your family won't get you. There's going to be times in your life that the people at work won't get you. There will be times in your life that people around you won't get you. They won't understand you. They don't get it because you're peculiar. You're different. You're strange. You're unique. You're salty. You're not common. You're uncommon. You're different than. You don't fit in. You stand out. God always called his people out. And yet, sometimes we believe that we've got to fit in, that that's our job. That's not our job. Our job is to stand out. Our job is to let the love of God begin to billow up in us so much that we're willing to be salty in an unsalty world, that we're willing to be light in a dark and depraved world, that we're we're willing to speak hope in a world that has none, that we're willing to speak the name of Jesus to a world that has rejected him, that we're willing to share the love of God to a world that hates him. And so what we need to see in this passage is that as you come out, as you come out from that valley of decision, you'll, you'll begin to walk different than the world. This is why, you know, holiness is not taught anymore. Holiness is not taught anymore because it's not popular. The crucified life, it's not popular. Even the full gospel message is not popular anymore. Cause it's, you gotta sanitize it. You gotta, you gotta water it down. You've gotta bring it down to a level to where it's, it's complacent enough 
to where people can still have one foot in the world, one foot on Mount Ebal and one foot on Mount Gerizim. But God here is telling us clearly there's a valley between these two mountains and you've got to choose which one you're going to be on. God's not going to lower his standards so that we'll now become popular with the world. God's calling us to come up to where his standard is. And the blessing of it is, if you'll choose Jesus, he'll give you the ability to do it. That's the blessing of it. God's not going to call you to do something that you can't do. God already knows you can't do it. He knows none of us can do it. God is awesome in the fact that if you'll just surrender to him, he'll give you the ability. All he needs is your surrenderability. All he needs is your vulnerability. All he needs is your humility. If you'll come to him and empty yourself, God will put himself in you and he'll give you the ability to do whatever he's called you to do. When Jesus told the disciples to tarry in Jerusalem until they were endued with power from on high, he didn't tell them it was power to do backflips in the sanctuary. He said it was power to be a witness unto him, to be his witness. In other words, God said, I'm not telling you to go out into the world and witness about me until I'm first living in you until I'm first filling you up, until I'm first indwelling in you. God is not going to call you to do something that you can't do in your own strength, that that he won't give you that ability to do. Amen? So in order for us to be a peculiar people, we have to follow God, bear his reproach, and be willing to suffer the shame of it. And if you're willing to suffer the shame of it, God will look down upon you. See, I would rather be popular with God than popular with men. It can't be both. You're never going to be able to be both. And one of the things I believe that God wants you to know out of this message is that you're going to have to make that decision. It's, it's, it's a simple message. It's a simple message. But sometimes you've got to really think about that. You've got to let your heart really meditate on the fact that you're not going to be able to be popular in heaven and the world at the same time. So you've got to choose God above the world. Never forget that the world is at enmity against God. It always has been and it always will be until the Lord comes back and makes a new heaven and a new word. A.W. Tozer, he said that Christianity cannot be made popular. We try to popularize it through marketing it, like it's a product put on a shelf. A.W. Tozer said that 70 years ago. How about that? Here's something else he said. He said, what, what, what has the church gained if it's popular, but it doesn't have repentance, conviction, or power? See, if you're going to, if, if, if somebody's going to get popular, you're going to have to let go of the conviction, the power of God. You're going to have to let go of the holiness of God. You're going to have to let go of something. You have to be willing to come out and follow God wherever he leads. Now, as you go up this way, the world will mock you. Just get ready for it. If, you, if you're willing to come out and go up that mountain of blessing, the world will mock you, but God will make you. God will make you. God will be all that you need. If you'll be willing, you know, I, I love that passage I talked about, about Peter, when Jesus called Peter to come out of the boat and, and to step out into the deep, into the Sea of Galilee. And, and, and Peter went. Peter went. 
In that moment, Peter let go of the boat and he was standing on the water. He was the second person to ever walk on water. You know what's remarkable about that? Here's what's remarkable about it. Jesus was all that he needed to walk on the water. He didn't need to go to seminary. He didn't need somebody coaching him up. He didn't need somebody saying, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it. All he needed was Jesus to say, come. And all Jesus is telling you is come. He's bidding you to come. He's bidding you to come and be filled with the Spirit of God. He's bidding you to come and receive new life. He's bidding you to come and, 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 and have the, the chains of darkness broken off of your life. He's telling you to come and be healed. Come and be set free. Come and be delivered. Come and be changed. Come and let God make you a new person. But He's bidding you to come. And just like Peter, He took that foot, He put it, He, look, He had to put it out in the water. Nobody coached him on how to do that. There's no coaching on how to do it. Do you go, do you just jump with both feet? Do you put one foot out? Do you hold on and let, turn around and just kind of come out the boat? How do you do it? He didn't care. He didn't care. Jesus just said, come. And Peter went. And I want you to know that there's a time when you're in that valley of decision and God tells you to come that you need to just go. Sometimes if you, if you stay in that valley of indecision for too long, you'll begin to outthink yourself. And you'll begin to outwit yourself. And you'll begin to cheat yourself of what God wants to do in you. You'll begin to say, well, this don't make sense, and this don't make sense, and this don't make sense, and this don't make sense. And if I, if I do this, then I'm going to have to do that. And if I do this, then I'm going to have to do that. And you don't know what it's like. You don't know what it's like, Pastor. So stop. You don't even know what it's like. Well, you know what? The things of God don't make sense. They make God sense. You have to determine whether you want to follow common sense or God sense. You know, sometimes when you follow God, it don't make sense to man. It didn't make sense to send Moses over there to Pharaoh, two people, Moses and Aaron, go over there to the mighty nation of Egypt. Go over there to the mighty nation of Egypt and tell them to let my people go. That don't make no sense. Two people, one of them can't even talk right. And yet, what did God do? God broke the nation of Egypt. He broke them. And you know what? I don't know what's coming against you, and I don't know what you think is keeping you back from God, but if God tells you to come, God will break that power off of your life. God will break that stronghold off. I don't know what it is that you think is holding you back, but whatever it is, God is greater, and he will break the power of that which is holding you back from him because God loves you, and he wants you for himself. You are his precious jewel. You are the one that he desires. God came down to this earth to rescue you and what he's telling you is come come to him and be saved be set free he's telling you that well it says here that he's called us to be a peculiar people bearing the traits of the author do you do you bear the traits of the author is that something that you do right if you're peculiar like god then you bear you bear his traits well you know whenever you begin to think about it when God calls you to be uncommon, there's a couple of things that I want to just point out that you'll begin to do. You'll begin to have love for God and devotion to God. Nobody had to train you on that. Nobody had to teach you to love on God. God's calling you to that place where you love him more than anyone else. Do you know that? How, how many times would that have saved us in our lives? 
if we knew that we were supposed to love God more than ourselves? I can tell you that would have saved me a lot of heartache. Because there was a lot of times I chose me over God. Well, this, this is what I need. This is what I need. I need this for me. And you know what? There's other times people will love others. They'll, they'll love a boyfriend or a girlfriend or they'll love this or they'll love that. Well, you know, sometimes you've got to choose God. You've got to choose God. Remember, uh, Sister Lindsay's pastor in New Orleans, they said that, there, you know, one of, the, one of the women of the church, their husband was fighting them about going to church. Would, would, just hated them going to church. And one time they was trying to go to church and he took the battery out the car in the rain. And that woman walked to church. That woman walked to church in the rain. And that conviction ate that husband up. And he was drunk as a skunk, but he was so mad, he had to go to church to see what what the fuss was all about. If she was willing to walk in the rain to get to that church, he went. And you know what? He got saved and he got sobered in the same minute. He went to that church, he sat on the back row, and he got saved and sober in the same minute. But you know, she had a peculiar walk, and Jesus was precious to her, and she wasn't letting anything stop her. She wasn't letting anything get in between her and what her heart was set upon, and it changed his life. And you know what? That guy became one of the associate pastors later. Sure did. It's amazing what God can do in somebody's life if you'll be who God wants you to be. You, but you can't have one foot on Mount Blessing and one foot on Mount Curses. you got to choose to come after God, be peculiar, be changed, be different, but let God do what he needs to do, and God will use you in that way. Well, it, you, you're going to have uncommon love for God. It'll, it'll end up changing people just like this, this dear sister's testimony. I mean, it changed her husband's life because she was unwavering in her, in her love for God. Amen. God just does those amazing things in our life. Let me share with you two other things, and, and, and I, will, I will take you first to Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14, and we'll go to verse number 33. Luke 14, verse 33. One of the things that I call the peculiar people is salty people. Salty. It just stands out. It, it, it's different. It's unique. If you, you, you taste something with salt on it, you know salt's there. Well, you know, that's one of our callings in life is to be salt to those around us. When, the, when God calls you to be salt to those around you, that means that you're supposed to be a preservative. The, do you know that the world's decaying? Do you know that the world's getting darker by the minute? Amen. And the world's going to continue to do that until Jesus takes the church home. It's going to get darker and darker and darker, but the Antichrist can't come until the church is removed. He that let it will let until he's taken out of the way. Then shall that wicked one come. Well, as, as, as we are called to be salt in the earth, what we are is we're preservative. It means that, that we're giving hope to people that don't have hope. We're, we're preaching Jesus to people that hate him. We're telling people to love God, that hate God. That's what we're called to do. We're the ones that are fighting for what is holy and what is righteous and what is just. We are the ones standing in the gap for the nation, or should be. Well, you know, God didn't call you to get on Facebook and whine about it. God called you to stand in the gap and pray about it. And sometimes we, we get lost on that. 
Yeah, I know it's easier to get on Facebook and whine about it, but God called us to stand in the gap and pray about it. And a church that stands in the gap is a church that God will use. And a man or a woman that is willing to stand in the gap is a man or a woman God will use. God's looking for an intercessor. So it says in, in Luke 14, verse 33, Jesus said, So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all, that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Well, that shows you right there you can't live on both mountains. You, you, you're going to have to forsake all to come after God. As you come up the Via Della Rosa, he let go of everything to grab hold of you. It says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. He endured the cross, despising the shame. He let go of everything. As he went up to that cross, he grabbed you. And as you come down that Via Della Rosa, you're going to have to let go of the world. You're going to have to let go of all. You're going to have to forsake all. You're going to have to come out from among them and be his. Well, that's what he's saying right here. He that, uh, he, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all, that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if the salt has lose, lost his savor, wherewith shall it be seasoned? Well, God's called you to be salt, and the only way that you're salty is when you're forsaking all the things of the world. Now, that is not a popular message. That'll never be a popular message. You'll never be able to be salty and popular with the world. If you're going to be salty unto God, if you're going to continue to have your saltiness, it's produced by your forsaking of the world. As you forsake the world, the more salty you become. Well, okay, that doesn't sound fun, Pastor. Well, it's not a lot of fun to forsake the world, no. But you, what do you get? You get your precious Jesus. Jesus. He said he's the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by him. And this is the way. Forsaking all. Forsaking it. Forsaking them. And receiving him. That he is the precious jewel. As we talked about last week. That guy went through all those fields and he saw that one with that treasure. And he went and sold all that he had so that he could get it. Well, that's the same thing. Forsaking all for Jesus. Let me show you one of the promises, though. I'll close right here. Psalm chapter 4. One of my favorite psalms. Psalm chapter number 4. There's a blessing that comes as you follow after God. As you come after him, the, the, the world will have to be rejected, but in the rejecting of the world, there's an accepting that comes from God. God's hand will be on you. I think back of that passage in John chapter 6, whenever Jesus' many disciples went back. Well, there's a lesson in that. We'll probably get to it this Wednesday night. But in John chapter 6, when all those disciples went back, they, they chose the world over Jesus. But there was a few 
there was a few that Jesus was their precious jewel. Jesus was their precious jewel. And you know what? Is he yours? Because he went to that cross for you. His eye was on you. And you know what's amazing about it? If you'll come to him and forsake all, if you'll come to him and forsake all, he'll receive you just like you are. He never asked anybody to change before he saved them. When he saved them, he changed them. The old saying is, you, you, you can't clean your fish before you catch them. Well, Jesus will get you in the boat and then he'll clean you up. He'll make you who he wants you to be. You might say, oh, I, I would come, but I'm not ready to let go of this, and I'm not ready for that, and I can't stop this, and I can't stop that. But if you'll look at him upon that cross, look up, in, look up to him and what he did as he shed his blood for you, as he bore your reproach and your sin and my sin. And I, I think about that because there was no way for me to go to heaven. My sin was so, I don't, you know, you, you, you might be a special case, but the Bible says we all sinned and came short of the glory of God. And that means that there was no way for you to go to heaven. There was no way for God to still remain holy and allow you into heaven. You would have stunk the place up. I would have stunk the place up. There was no way for us to get there. So God came here. And he bore our stink. He bore our shame. Those sins, the transgressions, our falling short, he bore those things on that cross. He allowed those things to come upon him, to be nailed on that cross, and he bore those things, and he died burying those things, and he rose from the dead triumphing over those things, and he invites you to that new life with him. Well, in Psalm chapter 4, we'll begin here in verse number 1. We'll just read to verse number three. Hear me when I call, O God, of my righteousness. Thou hast enlarged me. When I was in distress, have mercy upon me and hear my prayer. Oh, you sons of men. That's the world, by the way. Oh, you sons of men, how long will you turn my glory into shame? How long will you love vanity and seek after leasing? Selah. Oh, what, what David here is saying is that the, the, it's the same thing that I'm talking about today, is that you, if you go after God, you'll never be popular with the world. It's not new. It's not like we're creating a new message. David dealt with this. Popularity and peculiarity are, in, are different. They're opposite. And God's called you to come out and be uncommon. And David here, he's speaking to those people in the world and he's saying, how long are you going to turn my glory to shame? In other words, how long are you going to mock me and despise me? In other words, they can't stop. They're not going to stop until God saves them. So, look, you, you, you might have people in your life that don't understand you. They're not going to understand you until they get saved. You, you might have people in your life that wonder why you're so passionate about God. Why you get, you know, why you get a little bit, you know, fidgety when you don't have time to pray. And why you, why you always go to church. And, and, you know, why are you always doing this? And why are you always doing that? They don't get it. And they, don't, they won't get it. You can't make them get it until they get saved. 
When they get saved, they'll get it. The world will never get it. They'll always bring shame as you're glorying in God. But look what, look what David says in verse 3. This is the part I want you to get. Please get this. Look what David says. Would you hear this? Listen. But know that the Lord hath set apart him that is godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call unto him. That tells you right there, as you come after God, God comes after you. You know, the Bible tells us in James chapter 4, verse 8, that if you'll draw nigh unto God, God will draw nigh unto you. You see, this verse tells me that if you'll begin to live godly, God will begin to live for you. God will begin to fight your battles. God will begin to take up your cause. God will begin to encamp around you and be that heavenly host in your battles that you're in. God will be on your side. And then you'll be able to say, if God be for me, who can be against me? Because you're willing to come out and live that peculiar life and be his people and bear his reproach and he'll fight for you. And, and, and David says here in this last part, he says that, that God sets you apart. In other words, God's anointing will rest on you. God's hand will be upon you. That, that if God is, is, if you're in God's hand, no demon can knock you down. If you're in God's hand, there's no weapon that the adversary can, can score against you. That it may, you know, they may form it, but it won't prosper in Jesus' name. You know, as you're in God's hand, the weapon of warfare may be formed, but it won't prosper. Because if God be for you, he'll set you apart for himself. Yeah, the the enemy has plans to destroy you. The enemy has plans to cause you to fall on your face. But God has plans too. And God's plans will always trump the devil's plans. He said, God will set you apart for himself. Hey, does, do, do you want to be set apart for God? Do you want to be his? He's calling you to come out. Sister said earlier, he's calling you to come out. If you'll come out, he'll take you. He'll meet you right where you're at. But he's calling you to come out to him. Be set apart to him. And I love this last part. I love that last part. Look what David says to close out verse 3, that second half. He said, the Lord will hear when I call unto him. That's what I'm talking about. You see, if you're willing to bear his reproach, you're willing to come out and follow him, bear that shame, be a peculiar person, when you call, God will hear. I want that. I want you to have that. But God won't share glory with another. You'll have to come off of one of those mountains and follow him up the Mount of Blessing. If you will, God will meet you. He'll hear your prayer. I don't know what your prayer is. God does. You know, I don't need to know. Not unless you want me to just pray a prayer of agreement with you. But it's between you and God. God knows the desires of your heart. Psalm 37, 4. God will give you the desires of your heart. If you delight yourself in God, God will give you the desires of your heart. He loves to answer prayer for His people. 
Delight yourself in him. Find yourself in him. And God will hear you when you pray. And you know what? The Bible tells us in 1 John, we know that if he hears us, we have those things that we ask for in his name, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Now, sometimes we wonder why we don't have our prayers answered. Well, I believe if we just get on the right mountain, we'll begin praying right, and God will be answering them. Amen? God will be answering them. This, this evening, I, I just want to call you to, to come out and be peculiar with me. Be strange. Be different. God will take you. God will receive you. God will do what no man can do. It's God that loves you. I love you with a brotherly love, but Jesus loves you with a heavenly love. And he's calling you to himself. I'm not calling you to my team. I'm not calling you to my mountain. He's calling you. He's calling you to come. Follow him on that Via Dolorosa. Find yourself.